You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome to 2020. And uh, before we get started today, I just want to share some really cool news. Uh, as many of you may know, we are on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We've been with them since the inception of this show. And they have recently partnered with Evergreen Podcasts. Uh, and if you have not heard of Evergreen Podcasts, you need to look at some of the amazing shows that they have, evergreenpodcast.com. I know. When I first went on to take a look at all the other amazing shows that are on it, I'm like, are they going to realize that we're just uh, some amateurs here interviewing a bunch of our friends? Although we are very honored to be a part of it and excited to be in such a large network of shows. They're called Evergreen. So I only have to imagine that Evergreen Podcast, it has all these huge podcasts on it, could help us grow because it's like right in the thing, Evergreen. And they're now partnered with Sound Talent Media. And in fact, you should go to evergreenpodcast.com and check out how amazing their podcasts are because I can't believe that I'm actually on the same roster of all these amazing people. <laughs> I know. They, they, they say that, you know, they're going to they're gonna help us level up and... Uh, you know, they get their work cut out for them, but we're going to do our best, and it's uh, it's going to be a great partnership. We're super excited to be involved with these guys. Make sure you do check them out, evergreenpodcast.com. Obviously, check out soundtalentmedia.com. Those guys have been great uh, since the inception of this show. And, uh, well, they're yeah. partners. They're partners yeah. now. Did you get the memo? I'm reading <laughs> the are. thing right here. It says they're partners. <laughs> yeah. And that you should, again, go to evergreenpodcast.com because we're trying to flaunt how like we're faking it till we make it. Like That's part of our show. Well, thank you, Evergreen, for helping us continue to fake it until we make it with all your amazing podcasts. Check but don't out. worry because nothing about our show is really going to change. We're going to still stick to having amazing guests. We're going to interview a lot of people on the same level, hopefully some even bigger guests as we go along. So don't worry. This new partnership, we're not really going to be changing yeah. a whole lot on our for, end. For better or worse, we're not changing. We <laughs> we're just we're just a part of a uh, you know we're a growing team and uh, we're super excited to do that. So just wanted to let you guys know that and now we're happy to get into this week's episode. I don't know why, but lately, uh, especially with our downtime, you know, having more downtime because of uh, the the COVID era, I've yeah I've been more inspired to do these talks and especially with everything that's going on and a lot of it. A lot of the the um, thoughts I'm expressing are things I might just tweet or respond to people online. I don't have to, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of getting into online arguments. I'm sick of tweeting into this echo chamber that, you know, I know if I do one of these songs, people are going to hear what I want to say. Not everybody's going to want to hear what I want to say, but... They're going to hear it. <laughs> They're going to notice. <laughs> boy, they, boy, do they notice. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Siobhan Cronin here with Corey Pays and Benny Goodman, and this is 2020. Welcome back to another amazing episode. Don't forget to subscribe at 2020-d.com. Go see all of our old episodes. Watch on the YouTube cast. And this week we have a very special guest who I will let one of my cohorts introduce. <laughs> it's, it's the one and only Alex Skolnick, who, who surprisingly came back for a second round. 
Yeah, like, and it was nice to dive into like some some more opinion, like writing stuff, talk a little bit more because we've yeah. interviewed him before. We got a lo- lot of his Riveting. background. Riveting. He's 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 brilliant uh, in terms of of you know navigating music, uh, you know, going from Riveting. being in Testament and <laughs> riffing. <laughs> Uh, and then, then, then tackling the jazz world. So his perspective on music is, is fascinating, uh, at least from where I'm sitting. Riveting. So before Ben goes and talks more, let's jump right in. Part one with Alex Skolnick. Welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Paisa here, as always, with Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. And we are super pumped to welcome back to the show Mr. Alex Skolnick of the Alex Skolnick Trio, Woo-hoo! Testament, uh, the podcast Moods and Modes. Alex, how you been, man? Good to be back, guys. I'm all right. Hello, hello. Yeah, it's, here we it's- are. It's super exciting to have you back. I've been since the last time you were on the show. I've been following you on Instagram and Facebook, and you're constantly releasing all sorts of great material, musically, intellectually. Um, I've been listening to your podcast, which is awesome. So for anyone that hasn't listened, definitely check it out. Super interesting. A lot of great topics. Um, makes the drives go faster for me. Oh, that's so great to hear. Thank yeah. you, Siobhan. Does anybody call you Shiv? Like on um, my favorite show. So some people do. A lot of people call me Sayo. My mom's a whole uh, mentality behind my name was to have something that couldn't be shortened. So all my friends in retaliation tried to shorten it every way possible just to piss her off. So but now, now you've got Succession yeah, on exactly. HBO and that great character, Shiz. Yeah. So. Well, that's the reason some people know how to pronounce my name. Usually it's yeah. Sioban, soybean, yeah. any, any <laughs> soybean. various, soybean. Ren- like various renditions of the spelling for people that don't understand yeah. Irish phonetics. So now they know. <laughs> now they know. <laughs> but thank you so much. That's a great, that's uh, great to hear. Really nice. Yeah. No, your podcast is amazing. I mean, it's super well. I learned a lot just from listening to it. Very well produced. And really, it's, it sounds so thought out. And the episode that I loved, it was uh, you were talking about um, different songs that borrowed from past songs and how uh, they changed it. And that, it was super cool. You make it really easy to understand, even if you're not a musician. So definitely, cool. everyone go listen. I've gotten a lot of feedback about that episode. Oh, and yeah. that was one I really threw together. It didn't. Sound, I, it sounded like it was very well thought out. I mean, it didn't you know, sound thrown together to me. That, yeah, because <laughs> there's only been a couple so far. Like, I need to do an episode. Like, a month is going to go by. Like, I have to. I'm going <laughs> to lose all my momentum. Um, yeah, I had. I've had these amazing guests. I've had Peter Frampton. I've had Pat Metheny. Oh. I've had. I've oh. had. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I've had a lot of lesser known artists that I think more people should know about. But it's not just a one-on-one podcast. I mean, I also do a lot of commentary and play a lot, a lot of music. There's uh, unfortunately had to, had to be a lot of tribute episodes for recent people that passed away. The first one was Peter Green, and then really a short time after that, Eddie Van Halen. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that's just going to be an elephant in the room if I don't do a podcast about. Eddie Van Halen, of course, that turns into a double episode because there's just I, I could I could do a week of episodes straight about Eddie Van Halen and then Chick Corea. But anyway, so there's there's the tribute episodes. There are the guest episodes. There's been a few um, capturing the experience of music stores that I like everything from like local places in Brooklyn 
to Sweetwater, which is, you know, this online retail behemoth, the Amazon.com. They of send you candy. Music. What's wrong they send with someone you sending you random? See, no, I, it's feel great. Like I live in a, I live in a world, though, where I don't know if that's an OK thing anymore, because nah. after the whole anthrax scare and I don't mean the band that uh, you used to tour with, I, I feel like is it OK to send from strangers candy? Yeah. If it comes with fancy new gear, it's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> but it's the water is no stranger. No it's stranger. like Laffy no. Taffy's and like, you know, it's all like the old, yeah. like hard candies from the fifties. Yeah. We talk <laughs> about that on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the you, have a, you have a better memory than we do, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying on the Sweetwater oh, episode. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. I thought that, you were talking about our prior episode. I'm like, okay. No, yeah, that, that comes up like... Yeah. Why the candy? Why those kinds of candies? What, like, how did that start? Yeah. Um, but that, that is a cool thing. And I've, so every, you know, the Sweetwater episode was fun. The, um, the Retro Fat was, was fun. What was the very first episode I, I did was sort of not even planned. It was a, this crazy guitar repair guy who's a legend in New York, but he's such a character. I just thought if I could capture this guy um, and capture his voice and tell his story, this would be a great episode. And he let me record the whole experience. His name's Matt Umanov. He had a store in Greenwich Village for a long time, still has a repair place. And uh, anyway, so it's the podcast is, yeah, it's just turned into this whole cool thing, a, a sort of, uh, you know, I, a silver lining of 2020. Um, yeah. and now it's 2022 yeah. and um, right. I've got some cool ones coming up, but yeah, the one you mentioned about borrowed music, that was, that was one I had. It's like a, a backup. It's like, all right, if I don't know what else to do, I'll talk about well, well, the similarities of songs and people love it. They want me to do a sequel. And so that's how it works sometimes. Yeah. I think, I think I know. send you an, I sent you an email because I, I had interviewed the legendary Carol Kay. And one of her emails, yeah, she wrote to me, awesome. and she's like, well, oh, you know, he just stole this from that, and those are just the chords from Dixieland, and blah, blah, blah. Like, right. They've been doing that for years. And it's funny to hear you say that because, you know, you introduce it, and for a lot of people, it's a new concept. But it's yeah. like, Carol's like, oh, yeah, no, they were blatantly doing that in 1940. Benny Goodman was just ripping that stuff off, and he was just calling it bebop. Oh, yeah. And it's There's... amazing. It's amazing to hear all these stories. She's incredible. Yeah. And there are so many examples of that. I mean, it's it's kind of shocking. Yeah, and I'm sure somebody like her, yeah, you know, she's she's an expert on that. Well, and and, and everyone, I'll say this in front of you because you'll appreciate this. Everyone will appreciate this. So I always make fun of uh, you know music theory knowledge, and I'm there with Carol Kay, and she goes, Betty, do you know what a G13 chord is? Yeah. And I always say the 13th chord. I always say that because that sounds like the evil. I'm like, I think so. And she goes, Yeah. Well, what other chord is it? And I'm just staring at her. She's like, It's a D9, Betty. A D9. She's like, you don't know jazz, you know nothing. And normally that would have been the end of the interview, but I start laughing at her. And I start saying, you're right, I don't know jazz. And that's why I have you. And you could see this cantankerous, like, oh, there's hope for this rocker guy. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it's also a D7. Well, depending on the context, as I've been told. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I, I would have answered her different, but it's a, no. I would have said it's a dominant seventh chord. It could be, you could voice it as a D7, a D9, or a D13. Well, right. well she said that if you, yeah. 
True. Well, but you have perspective, Ben doesn't. So that's that's the difference. (laughs) And the thing I learned too is that the C7 flat five chord is the most important conjoining chord to anything in music is what she told me. She's like, if you know anything, learn the C7 flat five chord. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Yeah, she said, well, you know, the flat, the five, the the C7 flat five and the nine, she said, it gets you back to wherever you want to go. Her word was voila. Hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it, they're important chords, but yeah, you know, you're, you're I, hearing I immense you're hearing that. immense knowledge filtered through, uh, oh, yeah. decades yeah. of yeah. marijuana, some, some bullshit, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing, I see, nothingness, nothingness, I see, totally terrible. But, but yeah, we look yeah. forward to hearing the, uh, the the interview from Ben there, where we can hear it right from the you know the horse's mouth per se. But, right, uh, <laughs> she makes a lot but, of fun of me. But coming back to your podcast, not not to interrupt you, Corey, but I'm curious to hear us as still kind of new podcasters. Where do you, how do you get your ideas, or is it kind of like the music creation process where something comes to you and you're like, oh, I want to do an episode about that, or how, how do you kind of plan out, you know, what what you're going to do in terms of content and how you go about interviewing people or kind of uncovering their their essence their personality when you finally put an episode together yeah well it, it happens in different ways uh like i said about the debut episode it was very accidental i was getting my guitars repaired at this legendary guitar shop and the guy who runs the repair shop matt Umanov, is such a character and he's just, you'll hear him in the podcast, in the first episode. He's hilarious. And I just, like, this is straight out of a TV show. Like, great writing, except he's real. He's just riffing. So it was that was totally accidental. Uh, as, as far as um, musicians, I mean, I, I had a list of musicians that I had in mind at the beginning. Originally, I thought it was going to be more like uh, the show Piano Jazz, which was NPR's longest-running show. That's where Marion McCartland would sit with another piano player, and they would sit and just play music, talk about music, talk shop. It's a great show. Um, you, you know, it's easy to find online. But I thought, okay, what kind of a guitar version of that? So I recorded several uh, jam sessions with New York musicians, a uh, great guitar player named Near Felder, uh, uh, great, another great guitar player, Prasanna, who's a Carnatic guitar player. So he connects the sounds of India with uh, guitar playing. Another one, um, Rez Abazi, who's, uh, he, he's Pakistani and kind of has that influence, but he's also like a, a downbeat reader's poll and critic's poll winner. He's like kind of at the top of the sort of elite modern jazz scene. So like, I, I know all these really interesting people, you know, just sort of being based in New York and the music scene. Originally the idea is, okay, they're going to come over here. We're going to sit with guitars. I'm going to record uh, off the amps and combine it into a show. And then, course covid happens so being in the same room is is impossible so by the time i really i launched the the podcast i thought okay why i have these i had a few of these jam sessions that i had already done and um i needed to do some something i needed to figure out a way to have content without having people over 
So, and then of course by now, you know, Zoom is a thing as we are talking now. <laughs> We've leaned very heavily in that direction, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I realized, okay, well, this is, this is actually great because now I'm not limited to New York musicians. That was kind of the original idea. It was just going to be like a window into New York and you know, the music scene here. And um, once I started incorporating Zoom, it's re I realized, okay, I can talk to somebody anywhere and then maybe we can't jam together, but you know I can play clips of their music or or whatever music we're talking about in the episode. And I also realized, you know, I, I want to do it in a way that is like the podcasts that I like to listen to. So it's an audio only podcast. I think we are going to be putting the episodes up on on YouTube at some point. But I don't record it video uh, the, the way we're doing here. It's really just for listening, not for, mm -hmm. for watching. And the podcasts I like to listen to are, they're like that. And they're like short stories. So mm -hmm. I have a bunch of favorite, like I really liked the Serial podcast. Oh, yeah, that was great. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, I loved that one. I loved how it was produced. Uh, obviously, this is very different. This is not about somebody who's in jail, and you know, there's, uh, you know, this is about music. But I just, I like the storytelling aspect. That Absolutely, yeah. That show had This American Life. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a few others, and there's, so, there are so many, just one-on-one -on -one conversations where it's just, and I'm, I'm okay talking, but. I'm actually much, I think I, I can do much better storytelling and creating something that's different. So the podcast reflects that. And, and in that style, like how much um, preparation, pre-production are you doing? Um, or is it a lot of more in the post side of, of getting a ton of stuff, you know, to tape, so to say, and, the, and then putting together the story? Or do you kind of have an idea from the beginning of the episode how you want to uh, put it together? Well, I, I should give a shout out to Osiris Media because they're... Uh, really good music podcast network. They came on board a few episodes in. They were just you know, listening. Lizzie, we really like what you're doing. And uh, we have a, a partnership. And it's really helped having them. I still do most of the production myself, but I send it to them. And if some of the voices maybe have too much mid-range or some technical aspect, yeah, they have a team that helps with so that. Wait, Corey works there too? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then um everyone needs a Corey. Yeah. Yeah, well it it helps you know, so I I you can hear the difference between the, the first few episodes that I did all on my own and the ones that they do. They they just kind of polish it a little more and they neaten it up. Um but it's really I when I send it to them, it's very close to how how you're going to hear it. But also um uh, Kirsten Cluthy, who's one of the founders, and sh she's great for bouncing ideas. So we'll we'll speak every few weeks or so, and we'll just talk about the upcoming episodes. And I see what she thinks about some of my ideas. She's had a few ideas, and it really helps me just to know that there are other people sort of counting on on this. Yeah. Uh, All right. Sure. I have, sure. I have, I have a really incentive. important question because I feel like you're always like I don't know if I should admire you more for your photography skills 
for your oration for the fact that you've like you know conquered this metal unicorn but then gone over to this jazz thing but i want to know like because one of the things i love about you is that you're just such a a brilliant mind and and getting to know you finding out your parents like you know happen to be professors at yale like are you know not necessarily like, you're not the smartest one necessarily in the family even though you're the most brilliant guy no, that far i know from it like, yeah. right yeah so i can tell you you're, you're like you're still the dumb one at the table but you're still smarter right. than everybody that walks outside tell me this what the fuck is going on outside because every time there's like wind outside i feel like it's the end of the world and i kind of want your opinion on it yeah I, that that's something i can't really help you with <laughs> not my specialty are you sure uh, there is a yeah, All I mean, your music there, seems to suggest you know about these things. Oh, there is a thing called climate change, but that's... Uh, climate there's, change? There's, there's people way more knowledgeable about that than me. So, <laughs> uh, Well, let's... But, okay, not to... But, well, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, back to... I okay, meant philosophically. Just, is it like the end of Ghostbusters 2, where all uh, the spirits of New York, and all we need to do is actually combine together to sing with, like, the Statue of Liberty and bring the soul music back so we could kill all the, the slime? Uh, I think I think we are we are going through a very strange time period, and it's uh, kind of interesting, which we can get into later. But just to, yeah. to finish up about <laughs> uh, the podcast preparation of you know more, most of that <clears throat> comes to me as I'm walking around and just thinking about it, and say if 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 there's a musical artist, for example, um, I'll think about that person's work and what, you know, what I want to say about it, uh, what songs I want to show. So like I had one uh, recently with uh, Divinity Rocks, who's this great bass player. She's like a top call bass player. She was Beyonce's bass player for years. Uh, she also has a children's album out, which is totally, but it's Smart. great. It's like children's music that adults can just really get into it. it's actually great music and so with with her it, we, yeah it was sort of thinking thinking about that okay what songs of hers do i want to grab and then you i try to um prepare them i try to have all all the content all the musical content all the samples um beforehand before i start doing my thing and so there, yeah there's there's several um, there, there's several steps to the process or the borrowed music episode that we talked about that for that. Yeah. I just, I was constantly thinking of examples. It's just anytime I had an idea, just write that down. Okay. What is that? Okay. I need to grab the uh, theme from fame by Irene Cara. I need to grab uh, no doubt. Don't speak because mm -hmm. I think they're the same song. And sure enough, I've always thought, kind of thought that, and then looking at it, oh, they're in the same key. In fact, if you, they're so similar, um, and then that becomes interesting. Okay, what are the differences? What are the similarities? And somehow, yeah, that's really resonated with a lot of people. Even since doing that episode, so many more have come to mind. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. and I feel like so, this happens to me as, as, you know, a violinist that'll go out and play gigs, you know, randomly. Someone requests a song and halfway through the song, I realize I'm playing the melody to another song and I'm like, oh, wait, same key, same yeah, chord progression. And so of course, similar, right? now with a lot of the pop songs, you know, so much of it to me feels kind of formulaic Come in a lot on, of ways. Right. So it becomes did, you, harder to distinguish. Yeah, absolutely. Did you say on one podcast or something that you had a professor or maybe it was Richard Shaw, who's an amazing uh, guitarist, a friend of the show 
from Cradle of Filth, who said right. that he had it was a professor. on your record. Yeah, that yeah. That, yeah. that said uh, it played with you. Um, with that said um, that he had a professor that came in and who was a famous guitarist and said that if you had heard, uh, if you were writing music that people hadn't heard yet, it wouldn't resemble music because it's mm. literally all been done. And that if you were creating something that was genuinely new, people wouldn't uh, recognize it even as music. It'd be indiscernible from what we dis what we you know in computers music. And I thought that was very interesting because because that's totally totally right. Because everything I do, you know, I, I, I wrote something recently and one of my buddies said, that sounds like Mr. Big, which I thought was awesome that they could accuse me of stealing from Paul Gilbert. Like, great. Uh, that guy's way better than me. And I went and like actually figured it out. And I found like my song sounded more like Mott the Hoople and Queen. I found 17 other songs I blatantly ripped off before even the song my friend was <laughs> suggesting. Yeah, it was yeah. upsetting. Yeah, it's upsetting how much everything sounds the same. There's a lot of overlap. You know, and there's there's ways of getting into. I actually had a really interesting conversation about this with Michael League, who's the founder of Snarky Puppy, bass player, but also producer. What a cool band! And uh, yeah, amazing, amazing band, amazing musician. Just you know, really, <clears throat> um, yeah, make, making things happen. You know, just really, um, and he's got some great ideas about music and. Yeah, we we were talking about this. I mean, he he thinks that you know it's it's pretty difficult to find a completely original idea, but it's what you do with it because you know there's only twelve notes. Everything has probably been done. It doesn't matter how original you think your your idea is, but if if you do notice a similarity, then you need to change it. And it's in that changing where interesting things happen. And you can actually get really creative based on an, an existing song. Well, that's what's yeah. awesome about Snarky Puppy, because when I first heard them, you know, they don't, they're so out there, like there's this progressive fusion band that's like kind of live with all these amazing players. And it's like, it's so free. It, it's exactly what I wanted to do with Lost Symphony. I thought there was a band out there because it's like, oh, this doesn't conform to fucking anything, nothing. And, and and all the playing is ridiculous and it's all organic and it's beautiful. But it's like one of those things like they don't have to worry about coming out with another single. All they need to do is keep being what they are, which is yeah. this fucking amalgamation of incredible musicians clearly spearheaded by this dude. Because when I watched that the first time, I literally like over and over went back to that. I'm like, this is so unique. And I realized then that that's what I like about music now is when it sounds different to me, when it mm -hmm. doesn't sound like it's blatantly contrived or I go, uh, you know, I, I heard a Chris Cornell song, Flutter Girl earlier. And I realized you go back to that record. It has the craziest chord progressions that sound like literally nothing I've ever heard in my entire life. And that's like one of those things where every song sounds the same, but when you hear one that's a little bit different, like a snarky puppy in a world of future and Drake, it's like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Has there ever been a point, you know, throughout your career where you got a record to tape and later on you, you know, listening and you going, you know what? I think I, I think I sniped that little lick right there without realizing. Uh, it's definitely, it certainly happened with guitar licks, uh, especially early on. Yeah, I could point to guitar licks and I could say, oh, you know what? Um, Randy Rhodes does like almost the same thing or Michael Schenker does, the, but that, you know, that's, those are guys I was listening to all the time. 
Well, that Randy point. Rhodes did almost the same thing as Michael Shanker because if you go and read any of his interviews, he's like Michael Shanker is awesome, even when when mm -hmm. he was alive. Because and that and you hear where all those guys come from because they come from the same thing. They were all listening to the same thing that led yeah. to that at that beautiful time in history. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if, in fact, during my tribute episode to Van Halen, one of the things I, I spoke about was like he's one of the few people. It's very hard to connect his licks with anything some of the riffs absolutely you could say and the cradle will rock okay that's saturday night special by by skinner um hot for teachers basically zz top lagrange sped up but solo wise it's so so original and i found one lick where it's like okay i i know exactly where he got this and it was it's amazing i played them back to back and it's kind of crazy it's obscure i mean nobody would ever know but it's was it holdsworth or something yeah it's holdsworth yeah, yeah he loved on. holdsworth yeah we we dove i think we dove into this a little bit in the last episode oh yeah that was, that was the uh incredible find <laughs> like you mentioned <laughs> well i think his technique you, you could def definitely listen to Alan Holdsworth in the seventies and say, well, okay. Yeah. Alan Holdsworth, you know, he's one of the only people doing that type of approach. So, uh, but he still never, I, I never heard a lick where I said, okay, that's a whole, that's a Holdsworth lick until this one lick. <laughs> and it's of all songs, it's, it's on this, it's on beat it. Yeah. Which is one of the most listened to songs on the planet. And the lick comes from an Al Alan Holdsworth as a sideman with John Luke Ponty mm. on an album called um, Enigmatic Ocean. In the seventies, it's you know, it's just this one. So there's lots of Holdsworth solos on on that record. There's there's lots of violin solos on that record, but this this one lick, it's like, oh my god, there it is. There's that lick. He throws it in. And of course, he does all kinds of other stuff, all the stuff that, you know, Eddie stuff that you can't really connect to anything else. And it's it's fine. But it's just that that was almost like discovering gold. Yeah. <laughs> if Van Halen like that, <laughs> you can tell where he got it from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coming back to since we were still kind of talking about your podcast, it it's amazing to hear you have kind of it's almost sounds like a scholarly approach with a lot of the things you do. It's like when you were talking about crafting an episode, it reminds me of being in university and writing essays. And I have to remember this citation and go find my samples here when you know, when you're yeah, producing. Exactly. Yeah, when you're when you're producing, which it sounds like you're really producing yourself in these episodes. Do you have like an ultimate kind of like an essay, an ultimate point that you're trying to make when you're approaching an episode or when you're interviewing somebody? Is there is there something that you're looking for to kind of be your final statement when you're when you're crafting all these samples around an episode yeah it's a good question it's difficult to envision exactly how, how it's going to turn out in fact i'm not that good with that i'm not really good at planning so much i mean i may have some points in mind that i want to make i may have some um clips that i, I definitely want to share and some samples, but as far as like the, the overall arc that happens while I'm, I'm doing it. 
and mm-hmm. it makes it even like more in the editing process or when you're when you're doing the interviews like wh- at what point is this happening oh um i don't think about it during the interviews okay the interviews they're pretty much unplanned maybe i'll make a couple notes about things i want to touch on or maybe maybe some direct questions but or sometimes you know it's just a conversation that happens once the conversation happens i always have a conversation that's like the length of the podcast at least yeah the podcast mm-hmm. averages about an hour and i usually speak to somebody for around an hour there's no way i'm going to use the whole conversation so i just pick out my favorite bits of the conversation mm-hmm. as i listen back and then once i have those bits well each one of those bits inspires something else it might inspire a sample oh right here i should go to this piece of music uh or right here i should kind of jump in <clears throat> and do a commentary uh but yeah. I, I i don't know and as you know as that's happening as i'm you know getting those ideas uh, i'll just i'll make notes and then at some point i have my favorite parts of the interview i have my notes about what I want to comment on. I may even have some of the samples that I want to play of music. And then I jump in and then I play the opening music. And then I, you know, I hear an opening and then I just start riffing on an opening. And then once I have the opening, that kind of sets up the next part and sets up the next part, but it's very, um, uh, yeah, it's very unplanned. It's very, uh, yeah, it's not completely spontaneous, but a lot, a lot of it just happens. You know, it's 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 the creative process in action. Sure. Do you find? Never, not- I've, I've just I'll just say that I've, I've never been great about, you know, writing a solid outline and, you know, having too having planning things too much. Right. Well, that's interesting you brought that up yeah. because I wanted to ask about if there was any overlap in the process between, you know, podcasts and writing your book, because that's obviously like a long format sort of thing. And how and we probably touched on this in the last episodes with you. But, you know, what was that process like in terms of compiling everything and creating an arc for the book compared to, you know, a podcast episode? It was actually very similar. And it probably would have gone a lot faster if I had been more methodical <laughs> okay. and done more planning, but instead it's like, okay, I feel like writing about this. I'm just, I've got these ideas. I'm just going to write a whole bunch and then I'll shape up this. Okay. Now I have this section. Um, and it was just a, yeah, a bunch of these uh, inspired writing sessions. And then at a certain point I started oops, saying, okay, well, this should go before this, this should go before this. And then just while uh, while that's going on, I'm I'm moving things around, and then you know you move things around, then you have to adjust because if you have one chapter going into the next chapter, you know that there has to be some kind of continuity. And eventually, I had you know these chapter after chapter with you know sort of a, a thread, but it it didn't start out that way. It didn't, you know, it was it every chapter probably got moved around a bunch and it probably took much more time than it should have. But um, I think having done it, I have a a much better idea about the process 
and it is it is very similar to what happens with the podcast and i think yeah i think if i do it again i think i'll probably be you know i'll use a little more planning because I, th I think i think planning is good but you can't you can't stick to a plan um too much i mean i think don't you think a lot of artists get into trouble that way but sure. don't you think with like someone like pat Matheny, you know what i mean like or even peter frampton or even talking about eddie van halen you must have been thinking about this your entire life like i mean i can imagine that you've been asked thinking all those questions that you asked like all of your life because those guys are just so like peter frampton i mean i mean i always think of wayne's world where he's like you know that used to come with like free samples of time you know uh -huh. what i mean because it was such uh -huh. a ubiquitous record you know, I, even as a kid, I knew about Peter Frampton, even though like he hadn't had a hit in like 25 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always it's it, it's funny because every, you know, just growing up, um, I told him this. Hey, I, I had to see your face every single day because because <laughs> I had an older <laughs> brother that had that record and it, it was always out. <laughs> and um but also he was played, even though, yeah, you're right, he hadn't had a hit in a long time. But um, I don't know if it's like that where all you live, but in the San Francisco Bay Area, the classic rock radio stations got kind of locked in to this period of music from, I don't know, maybe late, late 60s to kind of mid 80s. And even though they would sort of sometimes include something new, for the most part, that music stayed. So yeah, I I noticed that the, there was like the sliding scale of classic rock kind of just froze in a certain era, where it was like maybe there was just you know radio stations don't like to have too big of a playlist, so they're like you know what we got enough here we're gonna it's gonna be very <laughs> difficult to break in after this certain period. Yeah, it's kind of the same everywhere. Yeah, think, right. Kansas yeah. Foreigner sticks. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, it's funny because when, we're, we're friends under, with John Garabinian, who who is one of the greatest DJs in history, and he's still like, "Oh yeah, no, the Beatles, uh, they don't resonate at all on, on modern." Like, which actually, you don't you don't really hear the Beatles other than on those specific Beatles stations, because for some reason, people mm -hmm. who are obsessed with the Beatles go go listen to the Beatles, but it's not like Pearl Jam, Even right. Flow, which is right. just lives forever. Or genuine pony, like just a song that you're like, wow, that song is still on the radio. But like, there are these random songs like uh, that you hear, and you're just like, wow, that's the one that is forever. Well, so okay, so Peter Frampton, yeah. You know, when I was in in high school, for example, yeah, he like had kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Like, he, <laughs> but you still heard those songs on the radio. You heard, you would hear. Uh, do you feel like we do? Ooh, baby, I right? love your way. Yeah, all, the, all those songs. You would you would hear them in between Zeppelin and uh, Boston and Steve Miller. All all that stuff. It was you know, and the extend. They didn't always play the extended version, but like the extended version of "Do You Feel Like We Do" has this really cool solo, and he does some very cool talk stuff. Talkbox craziness. It's talkbox craziness, but even when he doesn't have the talk box yeah he he does that he but he he does a whole part there's a whole section without the talk box too and he's got some licks on there and it's like okay i could tell he's listened to jazz guitar at some point 
So I used to think, yeah, if I ever meet this guy, this is what I will ask him. And sure enough, yeah, we had a huge talk about George Benson, which is kind of how we first connected somehow. Because I had one of my many pandemic projects was to do a transcription of my favorite George Benson solo and put it online. And I'm not sure how he got word of it, but he saw it and he saw it and he contacted me and flipped and he said, you know, he used to listen to that record all the time and him and his um, keyboardist for the herd, which was one of his first bands. They, they used to pretend they were George Benson and Lonnie Smith, Benson's keyboard player. And it was really cool. So yes, exactly. To get back to your point. Yeah. I got to ask him these questions that I always imagined asking him and, and I've spent at this point, I've spent so much time with Matheny's music and I've, I had, yeah, just a, the questions write themselves. And that, that right. was an incredible experience. Just talking to him. Does Rick Beato make you angry? Cause he gets to everybody cool first. Cause I feel like I, everyone, we all get his leftovers. We had like ah, Miles Kennedy, ah, like ah. one day after like, Oh, we got Miles Kennedy. Like Rick Beato has Miles Kennedy. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he's like better looking. He's a great, he's a way better guitarist than I am. Like that, I, I, yeah. he's like, and like this. And I'm like, I just, what did you just do? I don't know what a hexagonal fucking octave scale is. What the fuck? Yeah, that guy's amazing. I've taken the approach. Shut it off and watch him now. If you can't, if you can't beat him, join him. Yeah. So, <laughs> there you go. so I've quoted him. <laughs> His Matheny interview was great. And he covered... He went way into, he went into details about certain songs that I, it, it was great. It was, I mean, there's somebody like Matheny, there's so much to talk about that there's room, there's room for all of us. And I was really interested in uh, Matheny's outside um, kind of, you could even say controversial music because and it's a strange word to use with Pat Metheny because he's like just the nicest person on the planet. But he, I think he's he's the only one I, I can think of that's done instrumental music that's controversial, <laughs> which he which he got a kick out of. <laughs> and uh, Beato, his his interview is so good, but he doesn't get into any of that. So I was actually glad that came out first because then I, I i thought okay you know this this kind of gives me some room i'm gonna get, get it i know some different territory that nobody talks to him about and he's done a bunch of these records that have like practically caused riots among his fans um almost got him dropped from record labels you know at a certain point people started accepting it it's like okay we don't understand this like he's one of our most successful artists. We love his work. Every now and then he has to do some project that's just causes people to lose their minds. Like, what is this? You know, what is this? You know, and it's, it, a lot of it is noise, but he, 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 we had a great discussion about it. I mean, he, there is meaning behind it. There is meaning behind all these sort of noise projects that he that he does and for every one of those he's he's done there's way more that are just totally like 
listenable and accessible, sometimes radio friendly. <laughs> yeah. so it I, reminds I, me I of classical that- music, not, not to interrupt you, but yeah, it's like yeah. I look back at classical music history in Stravinsky where there was riots over the Rite of Spring and then it became like a part of the traditional canon of classical music and like Schoenberg with like 12 tones and yes. some of it's unlistenable and then some of it's like the most romantic, beautiful, like multi-level string parts that you've ever heard. So it's it's pretty Don't wild. Forget, to I feel Haley would really- in the comments. Remember Bill Haley, Rock Around the Clock? They rock so hard, they like literally knock someone's clock off. That was the first <laughs> oh, ride. Okay. 1955, I believe, was Rock Around no, the no. Clock. Bill Haley in the comments. Oh, had Stravinsky's a, a Riot. Stravinsky's Riot was way before that. But that wasn't yeah. rock right. and roll, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was that was the rock and roll of the day. Was, that yeah, was metal. Right. No, that wasn't rock and roll. That was metal. <laughs> well, that was like progressive, <laughs> very progressive. But yeah, I mean, that was I guess the we need theater it. of the day. No, but, it, but it's interesting because what is it that, about music that's, like, how is it controversial? What, what makes it controversial? I mean, what, I don't understand. Like, how do we define that? Well, okay, I guess because if you listen, in, in Matheny's case, you know, if you listen to some of his music, particularly his I don't know, early 80s music with the Pat Matheny group, it's so... Non, it's you know, it you could he- imagine it on vacation. You could be, you could imagine me, not not that, and it's much better than a lot of music they'll play on vacation. I'm not comparing it to like mm-hmm. easy listening jazz or whatever, but a lot of like contemporary jazz radio stations like adopt it because it fit, even mm-hmm. though it is really sophisticated when you listen to it. So, um, he got the you know this fan base that started following him because of his music that was easy to listen to and somebody could listen to Matheny on this radio station that would next play, I don't know, Spyro Gyra or the Rippingtons or all good. Those are all good musicians too. It's just, you know, it's very accessible. You yeah, you could hear it in a, in a hotel lobby and it would be fine. But so some of those, (laughs) the fans of those music, you know, that those types of songs would go to hear Pat Metheny and he's doing this stuff that's just like, you know, jo- very challenging listening, like challenging listening on the level of Schoenberg. And mm-hmm. I think I would I would argue beyond Stravinsky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boulez. Uh, yeah, sure. It would be, be even beyond that. <laughs> and the way he described it was yeah it was was fascinating and i he's so genuine too like cuz i you could tell like he he is not concerned with the reaction like i think he did those shows and he he his fans walked out he did a he did a famous show at the knitting factory in new york and he was it was part of a group but he was announced his name was announced the same day because they knew as soon as his name's announced it'll sell out a sold out crowd um i think i'm not sure what this place held i think like between 500 and a thousand people yeah it wasn't a huge venue but uh you know pretty decent sized theater by the end of that show there were 30 people in the audience and he didn't leave that and you know what have I done? Oh my god, they're yeah. 
he does not care. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. he's also the most, I believe he's the most Grammy-nominated and Grammy-winning jazz artist of all. He does not care. He's really like, it's so interesting. I, he's, he, said, he said to me, I don't know why they react one way to this and why I, I don't concern myself with it. It's a, he's really coming from a place and it's, it's really cool to learn from this as an artist because who hasn't thought about what people will think of your music? Sure. Mm -hmm. Has anybody here? Hello. Oh, I, yeah. I admit it. We all have. What will they think if I, I do this? And he just, that's not on his radar. So it's it, it was yeah it was amazing. So I was I was able to get into these areas that Rick Beato doesn't go into. But um, I've I also quoted Rick Beato because he did a great commentary about the Led Zeppelin lawsuit, and that was in my I did a very quick segment on that on my episode on borrowed music. Mm -hmm, yeah, and it was yeah it, it was great. So okay yeah Rick. Beato's kicking everyone's ass, but we can learn from his podcast. We can borrow small clips of it. I don't get the sense he minds at all. And uh, no, and I'm glad he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. No, so that's an amazing story. Um, you know, and, and I guess coming back to you, maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the other things you've done over the past couple of years, because you also, at least from what I see on social media, say what you think and what you feel and you release what you want without a, a seeming care of whether people are going to like it or not like it, which is great. And it's super, you know, especially yeah. in the atmosphere of cancel culture and everyone worrying about what they're going to say. And is this going to affect my career because I said the wrong thing? <laughs> like, how do you how do you navigate that? And how has that influenced some of the things that you've done over the past couple of years in this creative process in the quarantine? Yeah, I can't think about it too much because if I think about, you know, this the 90s hip hop song. I mean, what are they going to think about that? I'll get so consumed with that. Mm -hmm. So I've I've managed to separate myself. I've, a 90s hip hop song. Yeah, the B-I-G-L-I-E. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. like yeah. <laughs> very, con con you know, that's, I mean, it shouldn't be controversial. I think everything in it's undeniable. But okay, you can say, is, is it about politics? Sure, it's about, it's political. So there, that's going to be controversial. It's, it's rap. It's certainly like, I'm not trying to launch a rap career. Like some insinuate I am. <laughs> um, I'm doing it, in fact, my latest uh, episode of Moods and Modes is all about that song. And how it came to be, the inspirations behind it. Um, before I joined a band and wanted to play screaming guitar, I was listening to comedy radio. There was a radio show that was on once a week called the Dr. Demento Show. And Dr. Um, Demento. Yeah, this um, artist that nobody had heard of at the time, Weird Al Yankovic, did songs for that show. That's how he got his start. So That's I would right. hear his songs uh, just on accordion. He didn't even have a band before videos. You know, I'm like 11 years old at this time. 
and I yeah it was, it was like Monty Python songs uh, that it was also my gateway to Frank Zappa because he would play some of the funny Frank Zappa songs and I thought oh Frank Zappa is a, a comedian I need to you know but the music's really interesting and I got curious about Frank Zappa and then of course you know I found out there's wow there's so much more to Frank Zappa, but that that was how I found out about him. I used because I used to hear him on the same radio program where I would hear Weird Al Yankovic back when nobody knew who he was. So I think that planted the seed, and I've always come up with funny songs to my. I I, I try to only share them if I think they're funny, but I, yeah, or I'll share them with close friends, and if they crack up, then it's then it's funny. And this, this song, I knew this would be funny. <laughs> I, and I, I knew, I knew it would anger some people because of my previous songs, but uh, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about, it. I just thought it would be funny and, may, and it would make a point. So one part dare to be stupid and one part Joe's garage, because that's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a lot of things. I mean, you, That's a great song by like, Dare to Be Stupid. It's such uh, a great song by Weird Al Yankovic. Do you know that song? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I know that one. I like Dare his original to be stuff. Stupid. It was in the Transformer soundtrack, which launched yeah, okay. that dude. Uh, what's his name? Who was in White Snake? Uh, he played in the band Lion, not White Lion, and they did the Transformer song. But yeah, Dare to Be Stupid was 1985. Uh, uh, I think he was nominated for a Grammy because I he lost on Jeopardy. Yes. I've baby. That's been so long. I forgot about that one. I love Weird Al Yankovic. I've seen him like ten times. He's one of the greatest performers on the planet, and his band's ridiculous. I love Weird Al Yankovic. I've never seen him live. I need to see him. Live. Incredible, I, dude. He started he, the show um, on the street, and he started playing from literally on the street in Boston outside the Wilbur Theater, and literally walked like he's walking through the bathroom the whole night, and he literally was doing it, and it like <laughs> it blew my mind. He had more costume changes than Britney Spears. All right, yeah. and Ray, oh, he's a he's amazing. He's genius. Genius. Uh, I saw, you know, I heard another one rides the bus. That was like one of the first songs by him I heard. My Bologna. (laughs) And then, um, yeah, well, that was was the first big video he had. But he also always had these originals that were hilarious. He had a song called The Punk Polka, which is amazing, uh, if if you hear that. Just on accordion. Um. Yeah, so I, anyway, so yeah, Weird Al, uh, Zappa, and it, so yeah, over the years, this has always been there. I, I don't know why, but lately, uh, especially with our downtime, you know, having more downtime because of uh, the the COVID era, I've, yeah, I've been more inspired to do these songs, and especially with everything that's going on, and a lot of it, a lot of the the um, thoughts I'm expressing are things I might just tweet or respond to people online. I don't have to, I'm sick of that. I'm sick of getting into online arguments. I'm sick of tweeting into this echo chamber that, you know, I know if I do one of these songs, people are going to hear what I want to say. Not everybody's going to want to hear what I want to say, but... They're going to hear it. <laughs> They're going to know it. Boy, they, boy, do they notice. 
what about Florida Man? That was a uh, the Florida yeah. Man Blues. <laughs> that was a, I think Siobhan should relate to that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that one. Uh, yeah, that was one I I had in my head for a long time, and that song was actually recorded pre-COVID. Mm. Uh, I did that in late 2019, uh, along with a couple other blues songs that still haven't seen the light of day, but they're they're there. And I was going to add on to it and e- either do a blues LP or a full blues recording uh, with special guests who are blues artists. And then, of course, the whole thing got complicated because of COVID. So, uh but we had that song recorded and I just thought, okay, that one, there's really no room for a special guest. Anyway, the song sounds good. Let's just put it out. And, uh, my friend, uh, Adam Dubin, who is a director, he's currently working with Metallica, but he, he did a year in the life of Metallica. Uh, he co-directed the Beastie Boys, so Fight for Your Right to Party. These classic videos. So he he's got some history. That video he, was made for like six hundred dollars. Right. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. It's like the greatest video ever, by the way. Oh yeah, amazing, amazing. I love that and, video and that and, song and that record and that band. So yeah. So he <laughs> he loved Florida Man Blues, um, and he just volunteer he's like if you do a video please think of having me direct the epic no shit that's fucking awesome man no brainer yeah we'll so, toss the links to, to both these videos we're, we're talking about uh in the description below yeah it was so it was fun so the song was recorded in 2019 video shot last july uh i actually shot both of these videos in the same month it was kind of crazy but I was really glad I got, I got to do them because I have a feeling that once touring starts up again, it's going to be nuts. Um, we'll see if things get moved. But just looking at my calendar uh, for this year already, it's like, okay, April and most of May, I'm on tour with the Bay Strikes Back tour. Testament, Exodus, and Death Angel. Uh, we're doing a bunch of summer festivals. So most of July and part of August, I'll be there. Uh, I think we're doing more U.S. dates in September. There's another possible tour being worked on in November. And then the window, the in between the windows of I'm getting booked with other projects by uh from my trio to uh this project this great instrumental project with uh percy jones the legend from the 70s credible fretless bass player um so yeah things are filling up really quick so i have a feeling like it's a good thing i did those videos last year because i think this this year i they take time they take time to right. edit with- to shoot to plan the shoot and just it's while, a, while you mentioned it, with, with touring, you know, coming back and and going back to that kind of shift in lifestyle, how is that mentally for you after having this time? Has this been like a good respite, but now you're ready to really get back to you know that life? 
Uh, I don't I have to be careful how I answer. But. <laughs> <laughs> Why now? <laughs> We're not careful. <laughs> well, I, I, of course, I'm looking forward to performing again and being out there. But I'm a little surprised that I'm not like restless. Hmm. I was sure, you know, if you told me two years ago what was going to happen and how just the majority of tour dates would be moved and postponed. I don't, I, I would think that at this point I would be stir crazy, just itching to get out there, get on. And I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm fine either way. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I can relate to that. I feel like touring is sort of a different form of existence. And at least for me, yes, when I get home it really from is. it, you um, know, it is it is very exciting. But then when I get home from it, it takes a while to adjust to sort of that different creative muscle that is being at home and, you know, going after different projects and ideas and running around with different types of people and kind of getting that experience of just other things that are around, you know. And I think it does, it, it almost takes time for that mental shift, you know. And so you get yeah. in the rhythm of touring nonstop right. all the time, and then you don't realize what it's like to not be doing that for a while yeah. until you shift. And I like the freedom of not being on tour. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I'm, yeah, we, we started this recording at 8.30, right? That's normally when a show would start, but... Yeah. On a typical night at 8.30, I don't have to lock myself in a room for an hour or two hours and just get into this headspace and get my fingers up to where they need to be. For the, you know what I mean? I, oh, if I want to grab my acoustic guitar or even sit at the piano, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like... You know, yeah. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be weird not being able to do that. Do you think that like because I feel like one of the things that COVID has done for a lot of people is like make you question your quality of life versus what you were just doing. Because like I know like what I was doing, I was making money, but it wasn't necessarily the quality of life. So now I'm like much more interested in doing like my art. Like I don't care. Like I'm just gonna do what I want because like the world's ending. So I might as well do it now. <laughs> like do. Do you think there, but there's something amazing about being able to just come downstairs and create when you want to. So it's different being on that mental kind of like circadian rhythm versus going on tour every single night where you're giving to people. Do you think that maybe it's time that you're just like taking creatively for yourself to get all these things out and talk to Pat Metheny and hang out with, you know, your idols and nerd (laughs) out because that's what you do? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've... I guess I, I like what, what I've been able to do during this time. I love it. It, it hasn't been this down period and, you know, I don't know what to do with my, no, it's like, there's been so much, so many, so many cool things to do. Uh, so yeah, I am, I am kind of wrestling with, it. I'm sure I'll, I'll enjoy it once I, once I'm out there. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, with Siobhan says it's a different rhythm. It's a different existence, and uh, that it, it takes some some getting used yeah. to. Suddenly, there's there's people around all the time. 
<laughs> that sounds absolutely great. awful at this point. <laughs> Gotten used to know people. Um, we're coming to the end of our first hour, part yep. one, with uh, Alex Skolnick. Uh, thank you for hanging with us, as always. Um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see where the next hour takes us. You know, we're we're not we're not playing by any rules for for this show. You know, we can go wherever. Moods and um, modes. Moods and modes. Yes. Submit Alex Skolnick trio. Alex likes to rap. I mean, there's a lot of things. He, he says things. He takes great pictures, sometimes in focus, sometimes not in focus around <laughs> New York City. It's awesome. He writes he write these little soliloquies, like these little one-offisms of your mind all the time. I love it. I'm like, this guy has an internet connection. But as opposed to, like, let's say, a previous president, which I don't really need to get political, but, like, who would just fire off these non-wittyisms? Like, everything you write, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, it's like if someone that was woke, that was smart and not like woke, but just mm -hmm. smart. Take away the oh, woke yeah, and just yeah. smart and present. That's you. You're just smart and present and I appreciate it. Yeah, I, and I'm not that. I, I mean, I think what woke used to mean, I like that, but I, I'm not totally it's crazy It's been diluted. About it's over. What it's become, yeah. No longer woke is being woke. It's been taken. But then, yeah, the anti-woke thing is not great either so yeah it's too many pencil, terms for me to remember swings, <laughs> you know who knows where it's gonna land. <laughs> we'll pick we can pick this up in part two but guys okay. check out 2020-d.com and we'll see you on the next one thank you as always for checking out this episode of 2020 please visit 2020-d.com like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes this week's throwback clip is from episode number 110 featuring miles kennedy of Alterbridge and slash check it out it's uh, dreaming is a big part of it too. It's straight like the uh, the title track of this record of the Ides of March was a, the the genesis of it happened in, in as I was coming out of a dream dream state. You wow. know, just beyond the blue horizon, and and I was like, I, my eyes opened up, and I was like, it's kind of early, and it's cold. It's January, and uh, I don't want to get up, and but I I knew it was an important one. I was like, oh, man, just get up, go go in the go in the little family room area and grab a guitar and 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 record it and and you know quickly and then go back to bed so so oftentimes the the, the ones that end up becoming important are kind of in that space the number you have reached is 100.7 wmms it wasn't just a radio station it was a lifestyle The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.